a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, once again, we find ourselves rocketing our way towards the edge of a fiscal cliff. And you're going to hear that a lot over the next several weeks, uh, as uh, has been determined by the government that will technically hit at a gas point (laughs) August 1st. Uh, And that is when the uh, current system, which basically has created a spending Mardi Gras, uh, no limits, anything can be done. Uh, if you missed it earlier today, we talked with James Walner from R Street Institute uh, talking about how this suspension, Congress figured out a new way rather than arguing about how much we should add to the debt, which is always a difficult conversation to have with constituents and voters. Instead of doing that, instead, Congress just voted to suspend, to just suspend uh, the debt limit. Uh, think about that. Anybody out there think for a nanosecond you could go to your bank today or your credit card company today and say, you know, I've been thinking. And rather than me, you know, calling you every month or two and trying to negotiate my way to a little higher spending limit on my already maxed out credit card, uh, I just think what you should do is just just suspend it. Let's just suspend the, the cap on my uh, my credit card. Let me spend whatever I want for the next six months. Let's see how that goes. And I'll, I'll pay it all back, I promise. And that's sort of what Congress has done in really simple terms. They've just said, hey, we're going to do it. And when and when we get done uh, and we reinforce the cap, the, the spending cap will be however much we have already spent. <laughs> so think about that. On August 1st, whatever the national debt number is, it'll be somewhere north of $28 trillion. That will be the cap. And isn't that convenient that we spent all of this? And yeah, that's a good place for us to stop for now. Uh, and that's just how it goes. And the the attitudes in Congress around our spending as a country uh, have devolved and uh, dropped into some pretty scary spaces. Uh, John Yarmouth, the Democrat from Kentucky, on the floor of the United States House of Representatives was talking about our debt. And listen to what he had to say. To talk about future generations, I love that. Um, you know, I'm sure that when the national debt reached a, a billion dollars under Abraham Lincoln, there were people saying, wow, we're laying an incredible burden on our grandchildren. And when it reached a trillion dollars under Ronald Reagan, I'm sure there were people saying the same thing. And when it gets to 50 trillion, as it probably will in the next couple of decades, people will be saying the same thing. We've been accumulating debt for our entire history, and yet no one has ever been asked to pay for that debt, and no one ever will. Okay. I don't know what planet uh, that's from. Uh, Every debt has to be paid in the end, 
uh, or negotiated out in some sort of way. Uh, but to just say we can just keep spending whatever we want because no one's going to ask us to actually pay that, uh, I think is just, you know, unicorn and fantasy land thinking. And it is an issue and it's going to get tougher. And there is going to be a point. Uh, we've already recognized how large a percentage of our GDP, our national debt is. Uh, you can go and look at that just historically. Countries that end up with a very high number in terms of uh, debt to GDP, uh, it doesn't end well. Uh, you can you can look around the world even recently. Look at Greece. Did not go so well. Venezuela, not so good. Uh, so those are all preview of coming attraction. Now, we do have the benefit here in the United States of still being a leader among the nations and having an economy uh, that is strong comparatively to the rest of the world. And so people are willing to say, yeah, we, we'll continue to bet on the United States. But there is going to come a point where that risk is going to be too high or the yield's so low that it's not going to be worth it. And then everything unravels. Ravels, and when it does, it's too late. <laughs> That's the thing you have to recognize. And, and most people who deal in money know that by the time you have the big problem, it's too late to fix it. And that's what I worry most about in terms of our fiscal policy in the country is by the time we all say, okay, let's deal with it, it will be too late. And so we do need to have this conversation now. Now, the interesting thing is uh, most of what you're going to hear uh, over the next uh, couple of months between now and August 1st is going to be a lot of fear mongering from both sides of the aisle. Neither party has a leg to stand on. Nobody is on the moral high ground when it comes to spending in this country. Uh, they they raised the debt ceiling during uh, the Trump administration by several trillion. Uh, then, of course, we've got this suspension going on now until August. Uh, it happened under George W. Bush. It happened under Barack Obama. Uh, control of the House and the Senate doesn't matter. Everybody's just spending way too much. But what they will do is they will use this as a political weapon. And they'll have this conversation about it, and they'll wring their hands. And, uh, of course, this time around, the Republicans are really going to wring their hands uh, about uh, the fiscal cliff that we're coming up in terms of the debt ceiling. And they should have wrung those hands a little tighter when they were in charge and in control. And Democrats have had their shot and don't seem to be interested in it either. And so this is what will happen. You'll have this back and forth, and everyone will just keep saying, yes, you know, if we don't deal with this by August 1st, we're going over the cliff. And both sides will raise massive amounts of money off this as a fundraising tool. Both sides will use this for political campaigns and ads and so on. They'll target certain representatives in the House and the Senate uh, and try to muscle and influence there. But nobody's really serious about it. And this is one of those that I've seen up close and personal. Uh, when I was the chief of staff in the Senate, uh, many of you recall how long we heard about the fiscal cliff in 2012. We heard about it in the spring of 2012 and how critical it was that it gets addressed early in the year so that we can have confidence and certainty to move forward in the economy. And Congress and the White House did nothing. And then it, it got to be uh, near the uh, summer uh, in-state work period, the summer recess, and it had to be done before that. Surely it was going to be done before then, and nothing happened. And then it was by Labor Day, and nothing happened. And then it was Thanksgiving. It absolutely had to be done, uh, and it didn't. 
Uh, and then we got into December. And if this isn't done before members of Congress go home for Christmas break, you know, it we are approaching Armageddon and the fiscal cliff and nothing happened. Uh, I remember being summoned back to Washington day after Christmas because Congress was going to deal with this. We had to before the 31st of the year uh, or we were going over the cliff and we waited there was not even any bill text. Nobody had seen anything. And it went on, and both sides raised money, and lots of fear-mongering, and lots of back-and-forth yelling on cable news networks. And it continued all the way until the 31st, New Year's Eve. Still no bill text. Nothing. Finally, after midnight, so technically the country had gone over the fiscal cliff, uh, at 1.36 a.m., Notification was delivered to the Senate office that the bill was ready. It was about a hundred or two hundred. I think it was two hundred fifty-seven pages of pretty dense legislative text. Not easy reading. We started to print it out in our office before we could even get about twenty pages printed. The bell rang, which indicates that the vote has begun in the Senate chamber. Uh, We took what uh, pages we had printed out, trying to review them as we ran from the Senate building over uh, to the Capitol. And by the time we walked onto the floor of the Senate, 82 votes had already been cast. 82 votes had already been cast. There's no way anybody could have read anything even close to a quarter of it, a tenth of it. And votes were cast and done. Uh, and so that's kind of how this is going to play out. So I'm giving you a little bit of advance warning. Uh, when you hear the fear-mongering around the debt ceiling, uh, it is just that. And both sides are going to be guilty of this. So join me in being an equal opportunity offender uh, and to call this out for what it is. And then we need to be more demanding as voters onto what should be done next. And that is we do need to deal with this issue. We do need to recognize that we can't just keep raising the limit uh, on our credit card because we've already spent out what we had. Uh, we can't do that. It'll survive for a while. Yeah, I'm not worried about the country you know, falling apart and going over the edge of a cliff August 1st. Uh, but it is going to come. Uh, the debt will have to be paid. And when it does... Again, it's going to be very painful for a lot of folks. And I believe that those who will get hurt the most are the poor and the most vulnerable among us. And so it's time to change this conversation around the fiscal cliff. Uh, Don't wring your hands. uh, Don't be caught up in just the partisanship of it all. Uh, Demand members from both sides of the political aisle to come together and actually get it solved. We're going to step aside for one last commercial break. We're going to continue this conversation and talk about the role of power and influence in actually getting things done. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.